Welcome to the Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Absent Father podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rodney Miller. We have a, I have a special episode for today. So last month, I was invited to sit down for an interview with uh, an amazing uh, healer, coach, and therapist named Maitre Meliana. Uh, Maitre is somebody who I had the privilege of uh, encountering uh, shortly after I moved to San Francisco about uh, four years ago. And I'm, I say very fortunate because one of the things that she really helped me with was uh, experientially healing a lot of the impacts that came from growing up with an absent father. And through that experience, it really uh, helped me to shift and and really make major changes uh, in my life. She was instrumental in uh, growing in my own creative expression. Uh, I share with her that uh, the Absent Father podcast uh, would not be possible without the, the work that I did with her. Um, so what I'm going to share with you today is uh, we had about an hour-long conversation uh, where she interviewed me about the Absent Father podcast. She interviewed me about the impacts of growing up with an absent father. And then later we get into kind of how that plays out in in terms of masculinity uh, and leadership and some of the, the ties there. So I thought I'd share this interview with you. I hope you find it fruitful. Um, it definitely goes into a deeper dive about uh, my story and kind of some of the dots that that get connected there, and also the origin of the Absent Father podcast, which goes back to uh, an appearance on Oprah in the uh, winter of 2013. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, if you are someone who uh, connects with Maitre, um, and I highly encourage you to connect with her, she has an office in downtown San Francisco. Um in the Marina District, for those of you that are local. And in addition to uh, many other gifts and talents that she has, uh, her work is really focused on empowering women to find their voice, speak their truth, stand tall in their power, and live their sole purpose out loud. So I will uh, provide you uh, links to her uh, her website and ways to get in touch with her in the show notes. Uh one last thing before we go into the interview, what what my tray was particularly helpful for me was um, walking through specific traumatic events um, or pieces of uh, my life that um, were traumatic. And she has this amazing uh, healing process that feels kind of otherworldly to me, but it was um, created huge shifts for me that really targets those specific experiences and then uh, heals that experience, um, not just with talk, but really in your in your bones. Um, Maitre is also an author. She is a coach. She is a teacher. And she has a sound healing practice as well. So please check her out. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome, everyone. I invited Rodney Mueller to a conversation here today with me because he started a podcast, which I know will be very helpful to many readers of this blog and to so many in the world who struggle with not having a father or had a distant or an unavailable father. Rodney's podcast is called The Absent Father Podcast, and I think is really an incredible offering to so many people. Rodney Mueller is an executive coach and business advisor who was recently named LinkedIn's best of 2017 executive coach. 
He's also the host of the Absent Father podcast on iTunes. He's been coaching individuals and training groups to create more fulfillment and effectiveness since 2008. His coaching practice is influenced by his role as a senior non-commissioned officer in the Army Reserves and his work as the founder of the Absent Father Project. Rodney is a proud husband and father and lives in San Francisco. Rodney worked with me for a few years, and I was always so moved by his huge heart, compassion, commitment to transformation, and leadership for himself and others. He has a gift of truly seeing people on deep levels, celebrating what he often refers to as their superpowers, and being coach and champion to help them develop their full potential. Because he's a leader with heart, I believe he's a shining example for men today and has so much to offer everyone. Welcome, Rodney. I'm delighted to be with you today and so happy to introduce you to my readers. There's so many topics I'm looking forward to talking with you about. So let's dive in. The Absent Father podcast is such a great idea and title for a podcast. What inspired you to start it? Well, well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. And the obviously, or maybe not so obviously, the, the podcast was inspired by my own experience of growing up with an absent or distant father. Um, and as much of, uh, the lessons that I've learned through that experience, but, but the, the catalyst for it becoming a podcast, uh, which it launched in November of 2017. But the catalyst was, uh, back in the winter of 2012. I was, uh, six months into running my business full time and, uh, as a coach. And I was, you know, I had everything together. I, I was, um, working hard. I had the right training. I had a good website. I was a good coach. Um, but even though I had enough time now because I had left my full-time job, I still found myself, uh, unable to break through this, uh, kind of invisible ceiling on my income. And no matter what I did, no matter how hard I worked, it didn't seem to make a difference. And so that winter I was sitting in my office procrastinating like the best of us on Facebook and a ad came across that uh, was from uh, a famous television show. You might've heard of her, Oprah Winfrey. And they, they said, Hey, do you have an absent father story? And I thought this would be a lovely, uh, waste of time to <laughs> avoid, uh, doing my work and trying to grow my business. So I sat there in my office on that winter afternoon and I just told my story, uh, which was, you know, essentially growing up with an absent father, um, that I never knew until I met when I was 13. I imagine we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, I sent my story, uh, a few weeks later, a producer reached out and, uh, uh, a month later I was on the, uh, Oprah show and it was a, a life class about the impact uh, and the stories of people who grow up with fatherless sons. And at that, through that introspection for myself, I I realized that maybe the thing that was creating this invisible ceiling was uh, not because I wasn't uh, good enough as a coach or wasn't working hard enough, but because there was some unhealed uh, experiences as a result of growing up with an absent father. So I started a blog that originally was just for myself. I wrote two blogs and it was not published. And I, after I read them, although they were incredibly vulnerable, um, I decided that if it would make a difference for one other person like me, that I would publish them. And so that started the absent father project back in, uh, 2012. Um, and that grew into the absent father podcast that I started in November. That's a fabulous story. It's so great how you were just sitting and it just arrived at your doorstep and that you took it. Um, what a wonderful way to get started. Um, 
And can you share, I mean, this whole thing about having an absent father, that is so huge for any child to experience. And your father wasn't part of your life. Um, Even though he was alive, I believe, what was that like for you? Well, it's, it's really interesting. Um, the absent father podcast, you know, the who it's for is basically anyone that's had an absent or distant father. And, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, perhaps due to where we are as a society, um, many people have grown up with an absent or distant father, whether it's an emotional disconnection, um, or th- from divorce or some kind of physical absence or alcoholism. They're all elements of uh, abandonment as a child. And one of the things that was sort of interesting for me and maybe um, had me think about it even more deeply, really diving into uh, what the impacts were, were because in my scenario, um, my father was entirely absent. He was, uh, alive, but, uh, my, my mother and father were dating, uh, dating in quotation marks perhaps in the eighties, uh, 1980. And when my mom found out she was pregnant, she was in her early thirties. Uh, she told my father and, uh, that was, that was it. He, he left. And so for me, I, I didn't know him. I had never even seen a picture of him um, until the day that I met him when I was 13 years old. The only thing that I knew about him was that he looked like or resembled John Travolta, which I think was a little generous for my mom, but um, which also ties into a different Oprah story that's um, as mind-blowing. And it's, it's funny being with you, Maitre. I'm like, I'm really present to... Um, the spiritual connection that really, you know, is threaded through the story, mm-hmm. um, including the genesis of the Absent Father podcast and how the the topics come through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up with Absent Father, you know, the reason I started with that is because um, for me, you know, I wanted a father. Um, I yearned for a dad. I I, I found father figures and other men around, but it was sort of like a dull, um, and profound pain that I never t- like dramatically experienced, um, because it was just what I knew as normal. Yeah. That is so moving. My heart just. You know, I, I just feel the heartbreak of it when you said that, that one, your father left your mother, you know, once he knew she was pregnant and that you didn't know him at all, that you actually even saw his picture for the first time the day you met him. Can you share a little bit about that day? I can't imagine what that would be like for a 13 year old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I haven't allowed much emotion, but it's present in the moment. Um, which is a trait we share, uh, as people who grew up with an absent father, uh, difficulty expressing emotion. But, um, I think the emotion for me in this moment is about just connecting with that, that little boy, you know, uh, young people should not have to experience it that way. Um, but what happened is uh, how it came about that I met my father, because we had been kind of looking for him at various times. Uh, you know, I wanted to meet him uh, all those 13 years. Um, and by the way, it was a really strange experience because I, I, I remember having the experience that my father could walk by me and I wouldn't even know. Um, but what happened is, uh, December of 1994, cause I was, I was just after my 13th birthday. Um, I got a call out of the blue 
Um, and you know, back then it was no cell phone. It was the home phone. So I answer the home phone and, uh, this person says in a strange Southern accent, Rodney, I, I don't do a good Southern accent. Uh, this is your father, Barry. And mind you, I've never seen a picture of this man. I've never talked to him. Uh, for all I knew, he didn't exist. And then he said, uh, I don't remember the exact conversation. Like most of my uh, memories with him, um, there's sort of a, a dissociated experience. It's kind of a blurry experience, but yet very poignant. Um, but what he told me was that he was terminally ill with cancer and that he wanted to meet me. And I remember going to my room and crying, which I hadn't, it wasn't, you know, as I said, it was like, it was like a pain that was intuitively there, but not something that I, there was no dramatic crescendos where it allowed for that release. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember going to my room and crying after that. And as I look back, I think what I was grieving was the, the fantasy of reuniting with him, you know, even though he had never been in my life and I didn't know him and I didn't know where he was. Um, there was still some grief about, uh, there was a lot of grief about not being able to reunite, not, you know, kind of extinguishing the possibility of that ever occurring. Um, yeah. so I'll fast forward the uh, meeting part. Two weeks later, uh, we get to winter break and, and that, uh, December of 94. And it's in Paragold, Arkansas, about a six hour drive. My mom and I drive down, uh, in our gray Plymouth Voyager. And, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that I had this, I was 13. I had barely peach fuzz on my face, but I thought it was really important that I, I made my mom pull over and I, of course, didn't tell her this. I just, I think I told her I had the bathroom, but had to go to the bathroom. And, um, it was really important to me that I shaved, hmm. uh, before I met him. I, I, I think I associated that with being a man. Okay. And, uh, and then we pull up to the place in Paragold, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas. And it's a, a white building with the storefront on the bottom and a apartment. Uh, number of apartments on the second floor. Um, and I knock on the door, my heart pounding mm -hmm. and this, uh, door opens and, uh, it's Barry Woodson, this mythical figure that I had been looking for my whole life to that point and finally met. And, um, he, the experience was pretty weird. I, I don't know how a 13 year old should act in that moment, but I remember that we had pizza and I love pizza. So that was good. <laughs> and, uh, we, I think played a video game. There was some crying on his part and some apology. Um, um, but the experience was pretty surreal mm -hmm. and, um, ultimately he lived another 12 years um, but that was my first experience of, of meeting my father. Wow. Wow. That is so incredible. That is so incredible. Um, the pain, the loss, the, you know, I, just, I, I'm just at a loss for words, just imagining getting you getting a phone call from, like you said, the mythical figure. I mean, this is, that's exactly it. And meeting him for the first time in that way. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Even in, in the moment, you know, I feel the, the numbness to the experience, which I think that that experience is too big to, uh, it's too big to understand, um, probably at this age, much less, you know, as a 13 year old. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that that is a very natural response to something so unnatural as not having a father that, you know, there is this hole, there is this absence or, you know, of, of your father and, it is completely understandable how, you know, there would be, 
we would be numb and not feel because there isn't an experience of it. And to, you know, to meet in that very surreal way and have something so ordinary and everyday. And it was incredibly hard to process, incredibly hard. If, and, and it, something like that, I think, you know, a, a wound like that, I think is something that all of us just process, unfold, and have a relationship for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, you know, it's really uh, special about your reflection to me is, um, and I have this experience. I don't, uh, uh, I have this experience when I tell my story that people feel the pain of the experience, you know, and they, they connect with and empathize mm-hmm. and maybe sympathize also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so interesting to me. And I, I think this is also a common trait that, that many people share is that when we hear another story, we feel the pain of their experience and we uh, empathize with their pain. But then we look at our own story and we think, well, it wasn't that bad. And it's so interesting is that, you know, oftentimes when I, when, if somebody else were to tell me their story, I feel like my story wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and so it's always a gift, you know, to, um, even today to share my story and to hear you connect to it. And, um, in some ways it's validating that, that, that experience was, um, abnormal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it is validating because it, it isn't. And as you said earlier, no child should have to experience something like that. And, yeah. yeah. And, you know, most of us have some wounding or some pain um, from childhood. Um, and it's, it's, it, it looks different. And this is what it was like for you. And thank you so much for sharing that. It was just so, you, I think you really took us, took me certainly, and I'm sure people who are listening to this, by the hand through your experience, um, every moment of it. Did you see him again after that time? So I did see him, uh, I think three other times, uh, over the course of my life, um, had a few phone calls, but he was, uh, he was never really there. He was never really available, uh, for me. Uh, not that likely he could have done anything to kind of, um, address that, but I think he was just, he was a, um, who's a man who didn't know how to connect and, um, oddly or sadly, he, he left my life the, in a very similar fashion in, in the one that he entered it, which is he passed away, uh, I think in 2008, but I didn't. Uh, find out until three months after his passing. So again, just, yeah. Yeah. There, but not there. Yeah. And how do you feel about him now? And where are you with in your process? Cause I imagine something like this would be a lifelong relationship to the loss of a father, an absent father. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to think about where I am today and, uh, where I have been, you know, what my journey is of the experience. Cause, um, from age, uh, you know, until I could talk until 13, mm-hmm. I had this like sort of childlike anger um, which, you know, I'd always say if I ever met him, I'd kick him in the balls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course I didn't do that when I met him, but, um, to then, you know, as a teenager, I was kind of like, uh, I started reading self-help and, um, intellectualizing my emotions. And so I thought that I was over it, um, 
to then getting to that, you know, that winter and, uh, 2012 and realizing maybe I'm not over this. Um, and over the last six years, uh, since starting the absent father project, which, you know, is a gift to others, but has always been a gift to me <laughs> first and foremost, um, uh, along with, uh, a lot of healing work and particularly recovery work. Um, and just thinking about it all the time, cause I work with a lot of, I work with a lot of leaders and, and people and, you know, so much of our, the way we are as, uh, husbands and fathers and, uh, wives and mothers and friends and leaders, so much of that is informed by our parent relationships. So, um, all that to say where I am today is, uh, I wouldn't pretend to be, you know, over it, although I think I always want to be. Um, but my relationship to my father, um, I just see it for what it is more. Um, I don't, the podcast that I, the episode that I just, uh, recorded today and will release today is, um, is, is called Why Do Dads Leave? Mm-hmm. And when I got to know my, my father's story, which I still don't know completely, but he did not have a, a swimming childhood. Um, I believe he was in and out of a foster home. I believe he was uh, sexually abused at a young age. I know that he had a lot of addiction issues uh, as an adult. Mm-hmm. And addiction issues uh, start with pain and trauma. Right. And, and so when I, when I think about him, I just... I empathize more and I, through that empathy, I feel forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And also I, I see the, the journey to this place, hmm. um, that it is a long journey to arrive <clears throat> at where you are. And um, I'm also imagining the, you know, it's like, it's not like having had a father who then died and knowing a father who, who died and that kind of loss, but it's almost like a relationship with someone you don't really even know. And they're not quite a real full person for you. And, um, and I love that you're, you've opened into this place of empathy and, and forgiveness and, um, yeah, I mean, that's such a powerful question. Why do dads leave? You know, cause there, I think there's so many out there whose fathers have left. And I imagine that would be so useful for so many listeners. Why do dads leave? I mean, it's like a question that would haunt people, I think, for so much of their lives. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's, as you were talking about that, I, you know, I was thinking about, so where am I in my journey? I, I, I'm sure that there's more to forgive and more empathy, um, to have with my father, more healing, um, until I'm, I like to say until I'm Jesus or Buddha, you know, there's likely some, uh, some healing or wholeness to access. But where I am now is, is, you know, the next frontier is, is forgiving myself. Mm. And, um, I think at the heart of why dads leave, why dads are, uh, and men are often emotionally unavailable, um, or find ways to check out, whether it's through alcohol or work or, you know, affairs, um, all the ways that we find to check out, uh, or just being exhausted, um, at the heart of it is we're avoiding the experience of not being good enough. And that for me is, is, uh, that's the next frontier is, is, uh, loving myself exactly the way that I am. And that allows presence, uh, that allows wholeness that allows, um, normal. (laughs) Yeah. I love that, Rodney. I love that so much. I love that so much. Um, because 
you know, I, I work mostly with women and so much of the work is self and I love that you're holding that for men, for yourself first and forgiving yourself and being good enough and being good enough in your eyes, first of all, and, and then holding, offering that out to other men. Because I think that's really the healing of the masculine in the world. Um, And I think typically so many women have that experience of not feeling good enough. It's thank you so much for sharing your own vulnerability about that. Because I think there are so many men who do feel that way, but, you know, don't have the opportunity or the words or haven't done the work that you have to be able to even say it out loud. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. It's a lot more painful the other way, but. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But it does happen. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. And now you're a father of a beautiful two-year-old daughter, Gabby. (laughs) And what's that like for you? It is um, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It's painful. It's healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the emotion more is like how blissful it is though. It's like, I remember when, when, when she was born, um, you, you know, we didn't know what we were having and we're like, Oh, it's a girl. And you know, she was beautiful. And, and, um, we weeped. And as I was, uh, trying to explain the experience of what that was, cause I had never experienced that to my knowledge, uh, what that feeling was it was like this um a sense of complete joy and love and um but it wasn't a feeling in my mind in my ego it was um amazing and and i i I think that the experience was bliss but if you can put a name on it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so beautiful that's so beautiful I love that you have her um, get to be her dad and she gets to be a daughter. And um, I don't know, and healing that that would be absolutely right, that you get to be that for her. And I imagine there's just this wholeness that happens. Um, I love that you have a daughter, Rodney. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, me too. It- it's funny. I thought I was supposed to have a boy because, you know, the father son kind of thing. But I realized that, um, and having a daughter, uh, there's no like, well, there, for me, I think that there's less of a kind of, uh, thinking about who do I have to be mm. as a father, <laughs> um, to a son. And, um, I just get to love her fully, which is really the gift. And, um, the thing that, the thing that was interesting, you know, becoming a father, a, a couple of things that I noticed that I think are relevant for uh, maybe people who had an absent or distant father um, and really parents across the board. Um, one is that as as a parent, um, I think you're inherently it's just like automatic commitment to being the best parent you can be no matter where you are in the world and whether you're conscious to that conscious of that or not. Um, I think there's like this instinctual nature to be the best that you can be. And of course, there's no way to be that. There's no way to be perfect. So you work and work and work until you're completely exhausted and about to fall over. And I think that's why we have a lot of tired parents mm-hmm. <laughs> running around. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing was uh, I realized one of the things that's been most scary and kind of aligned with trying to be perfect as a parent is, uh, you know, obviously growing up with an absent father, I'm, uh, interested in being present and connected and I'm terrified of, uh, my, my daughter experiencing abandonment. Um, and the good news is, you know, three weeks into her, her being in the world, I was like, I realized that 
I had spent more time with her. She had spent more time with her father uh, in the first three weeks of her life than I did in my entire life of 35 plus years. Um, wow, that is incredible. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What a gift. So the point was that at least I'm doing something right now that, you know, her experience of her childhood will be, um, what her experience of her childhood is and probably have a better, definitely, I'm going to be a better father than, uh, the example that I had. Awesome father. Um, um, you know, I love what you just said that you can just love her. And that you don't have to feel like you have to be a certain way because she's not a boy, but you can just totally enjoy her and have that complete freedom of, of just love. Um, I hear it. I hear it as it means like you have such a heart, Rodney, and that's something I know about you. And, um, I'm, I know and I'm sure you're an amazing dad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, moving on to, uh, another topic I wanted to talk about with you, which is that of leadership, which is so much has been so much of your life's path and your work. Um, you've been a drill sergeant and you're currently a leader and in the business of coaching leaders. Tell us a little bit about what leadership is for you. Well, leadership, leadership is so many things. And, uh, one of the ways I like to think about it lately, um, first and foremost, leadership is a creative process. Um, at the heart of leadership, just the word lead to lead somewhere, to lead someone somewhere. Uh, I was just hearing, uh, Seth Godin's, uh, podcast this morning and he was talking about, he said that leadership, is getting people to fall in love with a future. Mm. Um, I thought that was beautiful. And the other thing that I say about leadership is that it's equal to the quality of your relationship to yourself plus the quality of your relationship to others. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, um, so you're, you've been a drill sergeant and you now coach leaders. Tell us a little bit about your work. What do you do? What exactly do you do with people? Well, I think if I, if I boil it down to, uh, uh, something simple and, and, you know, I think that for me and for many of the people that grew up with an absent or distant father, one of the superpowers that we have is leadership. Um, for me, uh, I think why that happened is in the absence of a father, I created the perfect image of what a leader, AKA a father should be. And I held myself to that standard. And so that helped me, um, that helped me in the army that had me be one of the youngest in the entire army to be promoted to E6 staff sergeant at 21 years old. Um, that had me be a young drill sergeant, had me be an excellent drill sergeant. Um, because I was connected to people in a way, um, and their purpose and, and understood how to kind of bring that out. And I worked really hard. Um, great qualities of a leader. Um, but how that informs the work that I do is, you know, I reached a, a breaking point um, around the time, uh, you know, when I was sharing about when I was on the Oprah show and started the Absent Father Project. I reached a breaking point where I was limited in my um, my ability to impact others and my ability to uh, earn income, my ability to, you know, progress as a leader. Um, because of that equation, like I, my, the quality of my relationship to myself was limited to, um, you know, what I could do or how hard I worked. And the higher you go in leadership, the less it's about what you do. 
um, the less it's about how smart you are or having it all together. The more it's about um, how you show up with human beings, how you connect, um, how you relate to their greatness. And so the work that I do is a lot about um, connecting a leader to who they are in their essential greatness. What is their greatest gifts? And how do we let that guide um, their work? How do we, you know, craft the vision of their company in that image, um, what they most care about? People can get really far in life by working super hard and outworking people. Um, but there's a, there's a limit on that, uh, expression of, of leadership. That's great. I love that. Connecting them with their greatness. Yeah. That's great. And, and it's also so beautiful to see the gift that you can see the gift of, of something so painful that it's, it's shaped you into being and becoming a leader and working with leaders and, and and in that way you're really holding that father energy that's how i see you that you're holding this father father energy for yourself for your family and um for others um yeah. but in such an opposite way than your father um it's it's really this incredible polarity Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, in some ways I, there's something I think about is, uh, you know, it's required me encountering what's special about me, which is not something I focused on, but, um, for the people that are listening that have experienced extreme pain and trauma, um, that, that is what helped me understand people, you know, as a young leader in the army, I had this intuitive sense of pain that I didn't even know was there because it happened at such a young age. But that is a huge gift. It's why, why we make great leaders, um, why we make uh, great friends. That's beautiful. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I do think that it is pain and, and suffering that connects us. And, and when we, you know, I think when we connect as you do in those ways, I think it's a connection from the heart as opposed to a connection and a connection of hum, a hum, humane connection and a human connection as opposed to one from the mind or of power. Um, and it's a very different relationship that you have. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting too. You know, I, the first thing I said about leadership is that, uh, it's a creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, sort of a shout out to the work that you helped me with, Maitre, which is like, you know, uh, learning to appreciate my own creative expression, um, which is part of that. Um, learning to connect or, or improve the quality of our relationship to ourself. Our creativity is deeply entrenched in that quality of our relationship to ourself. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the biggest gifts that you gave me was, uh, discovering my own creative expression. Uh, the absent father podcast would not have happened, uh, without that, uh, that healing and that, uh, bringing my own creative expression forward. Um, and it means that I get to be a singer. I get to sing to my little girl house. And I mean, two years ago, I'd be like, I could never sing ever, but now I can play a song and sing on the guitar. And, and that's really directly related to our work. And I think most leaders wouldn't think, well, what does that have to do with leadership? But it has everything to do with leadership because it's a, it's a creative endeavor ultimately. That. Yeah, absolutely. It is creative. It's cre it's creative and yes. And I love what you said, that relationship with yourself. Um, yeah, because it's, it's then that you can really flower and it's absolutely leadership is just not being on the front lines, but I think it's allowing all expressions of yourself to come forth, like singing to your daughter and, um, all the other 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 amazing ways you create 
Hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I'm so glad you're doing that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what um, you? I think I think you're such a great model for men as leaders, um, as partner and husband, and as a father, um, because you have such a passionate commitment to your own personal development, to others' personal development, to to your own growth and transformation, and, and that's the work that you do. Um, who are some men you look up to as models for yourself? That's a great question. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, growing up, there were uh, three distinct father figures that played a role in my life at different times. Um, um, somewhere along the way, I, I think that I I got scared to rely on men. Um, or I just shied away from, you know, I'd either disconnect from men or I would put them on a pedestal. Um, and, and I wouldn't be able to be connected. Um, but now I find that as I can be more open in relationship, I get to learn from men all around me and I'm, I'm surrounded by some pretty extraordinary men, uh, men who are, who are open hearted, uh, coaches and leaders. And, you know, one of the cool things that, that I think men maybe don't talk about, but is, is accurate is that the men who are creating a lot of success, um, not all of them, but many of them are, have authentically done the work. They do think about their feelings and vulnerability and connection. And, um, uh, you know, when I think about a guy like Eric Schmidt, one of the reasons, uh, the Google CEO, one of the reasons that he was hired in at Google was, was because he went to Burning Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about a man, uh, who I really love to follow, uh, Howard Schultz, who is, uh, the former Starbucks CEO and now chairman, um, his, his, uh, intention as a leader at Starbucks is not really about selling coffee or quarterly returns. It's about, um, creating a, a great space for people to commune, uh, being a, uh, a steward for his employees. Um, he was under intense pressure to hear his story back in, uh, when the market crashed in 2009, they were, you know, the stocks was being crushed and, um, the investors were really pressuring him to drop the healthcare benefits for the employees. Cause if he did that, which was unheard of and still is in many ways, if he did that, then he would automatically have a increase in the stock price. And he refused, even if it meant the company, um, might not come out of it. And, uh, that decision, uh, he said that the employees came first, the people came first and that decision turned the company around. And so those are the kind of guys that just inspire me and remind me that it's not about force. It's about, it's about love and about power, um, and power through connection and, the uh, the deeper intention. That's such an important, essential message for so many men to hear. Um, and I think that's, that's a place we're all in as, as humanity, as a planet. Um, there's so much work, um, with women these days, women coming into their own power and rising to speak their truth and connecting with the divine feminine. And what you just said is, I think is what's being asked of men everywhere. Uh, to shift from power-based relationships to relationships of the heart and community. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, one of the things I love about leadership also, and um, I'm happy to see, although I think we have much further to go, is is uh, uh, welcoming the uh, f- the feminine style of leadership. Um, 
are because the workforce has been so dominated by a masculine style of leadership. I think we um, think that the, what, what good leadership looks like is a masculine style. And I, I, I think that masculine leadership is great, but it, we have a lot more room for um, the, the qualities and the depth and the, the heart and the consensus and connection building of the feminine. Yeah. And <clears throat> along those lines, what, what are you seeing in your work in the world? Um, and maybe even for yourself, what do you see? What kinds of issues do you feel like men are being pushed to face and shift in this climate? Well, you know, I think the 21st century presents a lot of challenges for a uh, man. Um, you know, it, for much of the 20th century and certainly all of history before that, um, men, it was okay for men to simply uh, do, do work and um, face sort of physical fear and adversity uh, or physical threats or danger. And that was enough. You know, it was kind of unquestioned, um, and, and unfortunately still is in many parts of the world. And the modern man, um, to be a real man is, is required to face the real fear, you know, the fear of not being enough, the fear of, um, being vulnerable, the fear of not having it all together, not knowing the answer. And that, that is, I think the, the challenge that they face is how do I, how do I remain masculine? How do I remain true to who I am and be open hearted and be connected and be a good partner? Um, and not resort to dominating people. And that requires the internal work that requires, um, facing our actual fears. Um, not the physical threat, not the physical fears. And, you know, I'm inspired because there are lots of men doing this work. I, I get to work with them. I get to see them. Um, and the most successful men today are doing this work. Um, they're facing their deepest fears. And to me, that's, that's true courage. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, and I really loved how you said it, that it, in, in the past it was a physical, but now it's, now they're, they're, it's asking a different courage from them to face their emotional, uh, world, emotional fears. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's really powerful. Um, so Rodney, you, you, your work is a lot of work with leaders in the business world, and you're also a heart-based and a spiritual person. How do you bring leadership and spirituality together in your work? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think spirituality is at the heart of, of leadership um, because I think that leadership is um, ultimately connecting to what you're here for in the world, what your purpose is. Um, when I think about business, uh, I think that when a business exists, when it provides value, um, that it does because there's a essential purpose. Um, and so I think that that purpose comes from a spiritual place, but not everybody's ready to, you know, you know, even saying the word spirituality, maybe for your listeners, it's not jarring, but for many of the people that I work with, you know, spirituality is jarring. God is jarring. And, um, I like to kind of, I like to work with wherever the client is and I don't have, have to have them be a certain way. I've certainly had my own spiritual journey from, you know, being raised Lutheran to hating organized religion to, um, finding a new sense of spirituality and, a an ability to hear any spiritual text and, and be moved. 
but one of the things that made the biggest difference for me in bringing in spirituality is I believe that when people are most inspired, when leaders are most inspired um, by the lives that they live, by the work that they do, that they do their best work. And I like to kind of break down the words spirituality and and inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, to, inspired means to be in spirit. Um, and who who isn't inspired? So when I think about a spiritual practice, I think about what inspires you. Um, listening to podcasts inspires me. Uh, sitting in sales meetings where I don't agree with what they're teaching, that inspires me. I don't know why. Surfing inspires me. So I like to keep it simple and look at, you know, how do we actually help a leader um, find a state of being that is inspiring to them? Uh, so that's how I infuse spirituality. And without saying that, it's infused in everything. That's great. That's, that's exactly what it is. And it is to be inspired in spirit. And yeah, that's, that's absolutely, I love that because that's what it's all about. The words are really immaterial, but you're bringing the being quality of it. And that's it. That's the main thing. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the last thing I would say is that, you know, as a leader, um, a lot of times I'm working with leaders in transition. So, uh, you know, maybe they got a new uh, funding round and they just had a big jump in responsibility and a big jump in pressure. Uh, or maybe they got a big new promotion, or maybe they won a new promotion. And with each leap in responsibility and pressure, um, more and more, you have to rely on uh, a North Star, a deeper purpose, a, a well that you can draw from. And so to me, in that regard, um, spirituality is essential to growth mm-hmm. as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Rodney, for being here. It's been just an, such a pleasure to talk with you. And before we end, I would love for you to um, share how listeners might reach you, if they want to connect with you, work with you, find out more about you. Um, if you could please say the name of anything that you want them to know about how they can reach you. Absolutely. Well, well, first and foremost, uh, you know, if you would like to listen to the Absent Father podcast, uh, please subscribe, please share with anybody that you think might, um, might get some value from the message. Uh, you can find that on iTunes and Google Play. I believe all you need to do is uh, search Absent Father podcast. Uh, it will come up. Uh, you can also learn more about me at uh, www.rodneymuller.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Although for the record, I say Rodney Miller. Um, and you can find out how to contact me and get in touch awesome. there. Thanks. And we'll have the links below so people can connect with you as well. Um, thank you, Rodney. I just, it's been really such a pleasure to have you here. And I love what you're doing. I'm such, I'm just so delighted that you started this, this podcast. I know you're helping and will help a lot of people. Um, there's such a need out there. And um, just who you are, your integrity and authenticity and heart and leadership, um, everything just shines through, um, in your work and who you are. And, um, I'm so glad you're here and doing what you do and are who you are. Um, so thank you. Thank you for joining me today and for your time and conversation. You're so welcome. It's an honor. Um, I honor, I honor you and, uh, I, it's genuine to say that without your, your support and your insight and the amazing, uh, spiritual channel that you open up, I don't know what it is, but you have changed my life and, uh, helped me become who I am as a leader and a man and a father. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And it was a total joy, total joy and privilege to work with you. Thank you, Rodney. I wish you the very best everything. You're welcome. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview uh, and that you got something from it. I would love to hear from you. 
Again, you've been listening to the Absent Father podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. Again, I'm your host, Rodney Miller. Please uh, reach out. There's ways that you can support the show by rating and reviewing the show in iTunes or wherever else that you get the show. Um, You also can get in touch with me by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. Thanks again. Until next time. Heart higher